Bukayo Saka. Welcome back to Always Arsenal with me, Andrew, as ever, alongside Tom this evening. Well, not alongside, but remotely anyway. Um, Tom, how are things, firstly? Yeah, all good, all good. Countdowns on, what are we, 10 days away mm. from the season opener? That's mm. exciting times. We've obviously spent far too long just talking before this pod off air about FPL deadlines as well. So you've got fantasy football deadlines coming up, Community Shield this weekend, and 10 days um, till the Premier League season. So exciting times. Mm. I feel like the Monaco game is just completely going under the radar. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't care about it, but you just thought I'd just be nice for them to get another another 90 minutes under the belt. Um, you know, hopefully another a good strong showing um, with Rice on the pitch because obviously missing missing out on the last one against Barca. Um, and yeah, and then obviously the Community Shield sort of looms large, which I think we're going to sort of touch on in more detail at the end of this chat. But mm. uh, I think people are just excited now. They want to get into the season. Yeah, I think, I guess, not necessarily the most, you know, exciting game in the world of pre-season friendly, but I think it's um, quite an interesting moment for people like Rice, Timber, you know, to go play on the Emirates carpet, you know, and just for that first time to soak it up, there'll be a That's big true, crowd, yeah. I'm sure. Um, it's Sold out. An unusual kickoff time, isn't it? Six PM, I think it might be. Yeah, I was looking to, I was looking to take, um, I say yeah. the children. I wouldn't say the baby. I, I was looking to take my, mm. I was going to take my boy, um, but mm-hmm. it's just a bit too late for him uh, as his sort of first game because a I can't get tickets for a Premier League games for him with my mm. season ticket, but b don't want to waste. 80, 90, 100 pounds on someone who might not watch the whole game because he's four years old. So, so, yeah. so but um, yeah, they'll have to wait. Well, he's done in his. Uh... Donning his name on the back of his shirt. Now you were saying you went to the armory the other day and you saw some rice rice babies floating around, did you? Yeah, it was the the. Uh, do you know what was surprising? Before we get into it, the amount, the volume of people buying the new away kit was very surprising. So yeah, took him down there, show him the stadium, and uh, get get the kit for the year for him. Um, and my God, the the armory was packed. First of all, it's packed on a, or you know, Saturday morning very early. Um, it was absolutely packed, but the. Vo- Away kits were out selling home nine to one, you know, like literally. I was very surprised at how well that was selling because I'm still of the opinion that it's pretty hideous, but there we go. Mm. It's grown on me by about 5%, I would say. I think the players look good in it, but I think that's kind of the case. It, it was slightly, slightly to <laughs> 1%, 2% better in the flesh than than some of the pictures. I just love if it was, do you know what? I don't even hate the swirly design thing. Mm. I just don't know why the yellow had to be so illuminous and like, like sort of like I don't know, like volcanically yellow. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you know, toxic yellow. If it was just more like normal yellow, yeah, like our normal wake it color yellows are, I think we'd, I think it'd be oh fine. It's just it's this really weird, illuminous high vis kind of color. Just don't mm, really get I why. The thing, but... I think the thinking around the wacky colors was that it kind of fitted the sort of wackiness of the actual style didn't it really so i guess it kind of they just went for it <laughs> um yeah and the swells have got so you know the the swells are actually the geographical locations of islington isn't it or something like that but it's mm-hmm. just yeah i mean I'm, I'm i will never be a fan third shirt obviously not quite launched i think it's tomorrow or the next day it's this week mm-hmm. um but the rumored one that's well, yeah i really like it really like it so i might be getting that one um you know but yeah, i think out of the three that might be the one i pick up yeah i i you mean right to point out the the sort of uh, excitement around the armory i think i think the difference this year i don't know if you would agree with this but i think there was there's there's a similar level of excitement i just think the excitement this time is attached to expectation 
um, instead of last year, where I think we got excited by the signings in Jesus and, and Zinchenko that up-leveled us. And we saw in pre-season last year how the style was coming on. And I think that excited us more, whereas this year it feels like, you know, we're going for a title. Yeah, and I I, I would like to tell you, tell you that before the season started last year, I was really excited and positive, but I'd probably be lying. I'm always excited when the season kicks off because it means I get to go to watch Arsenal again. It's always going to be amazing, but I don't know if I was genuinely anticipating that much. I think the season obviously was so amazing and it was incredible, but I think I probably only started to truly believe sort of seven, eight, nine games in once it's like, oh my God, this is real. Like you said, some of the early patterns we were seeing is actually true because, you know, preseason can be misleading both ways. Whereas I think like you say this year, there is genuine excitement for a few reasons. A, we've got some big signings done early, which is, you know, rare for Arsenal fans, so that's exciting. Um, but also, obviously, coming off the back of last year, I think, frankly, we were all expecting us to play well. You know, we were chatting earlier today, and we've got those first three games, fixtures quite kind. And we'd, we'd all be sitting there quite disappointed if we sort of won two, drew one. Which is mad, really, because, you know, that's the level and demands of trying to be in a tire race in the Premier League, because really we need to win those opening three games. Yeah. And yet, you know, if you win two games and draw one, that's a great start to the season for any most for most people. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fine. But it's just, again, that, you know, the fact I'm even thinking about the first three games as three games shows the level of um, anticipation and expectation that's attached now. But um, how do we improve those uh, the margins? How do we get slightly three, four, five, six, seven point total. That's better than the last season. That's obviously got to be the aim. Um, that's what we're going to quickly run through today. We don't want to meander too much. We're going to chat about uh, sort of uh, expectations and that gaining. Like, I think you said the words offline is, is true. Those marginal gains across the pitch, whether that be in defensive units, uh, goalkeeping, obviously in the press. So we'll start there, midfield and obviously attack. And how do we make those small marginal gains across the squad? Because that's what we've got to be looking at. Yeah, it's... um bring out my teacher sort of lingo it's a sort of a parents evening tonight um sit down with the, the players parents they're quite a young enough squad to have a parents evening <clears throat> and uh set some targets for them individually and also as sort of departments really so starting off in goal let's just touch on the sort of rumor in the last sort of 24 to 48 hours tom which is obviously um a big one come out of nowhere really which is raised a few eyebrows i think is an understatement um raya from brentford linked um I know we've spoken a lot in the last couple of days as some of our mates as well about the strangeness of this link. Um, not much movement today. There's a rumour that a bid might be going in. We want to be looking at around about 15 to 20 million pounds and Brighton, Brentford, yeah. sorry, are going to be looking to obviously cash in and maximise that, which why wouldn't they? We've only, yeah. a month, we've only a year left on his deal. Um, I can't see us going above those figures that we want to, to sort of get him for personally. But the, the big question, Tom, is and we won't go on too much because it is just a rumour, but <clears throat> we want to talk about Ramsdale, who's actually our goalie. Um, is is this a competition? Is this a takeover? Is it a mixture of the two? The reason I think I would I would be slightly hesitant to, uh, you know, I need to caveat this before because I don't want to sound negative. And, I don't want to, and to be honest with you, I don't want to sound like too much like I love Aaron Ramsdale because I don't love Aaron Ramsdale. I'm open to upgrading there in the next two, three, four years if it's not if he's not the guy that's going to be of the level and standard needed. But the reason I'm slightly hesitant is the fact that, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about the overhaul in the middle of the park. This, you know, the last pod we were talking about potentially changing shape in the middle of the park. 
Um, you've you've had Xhaka leave and you've potentially got Partey not starting. So those are your two central midfielders in your spine. Do you also need to replace your goalkeeper? I, I would suggest not. In a team that got 50 points from the first 19 games, that went on to get 84-odd points in the league title, that was essentially only four or five points away from winning their first league title in 20 years. I think, do we need to replace Aaron Ramsdale right now? The, the answer for me is definitely no. Now, if we go and get a goalkeeper that's going to drive him for better performances and it, and possibly to overtake number one, I'm not I'm not adverse to that. I'd be open to that. And particularly if Matt Turner needs needs the league because he wants to go and play first team football, and he's not going to get that Arsenal, that's his prerogative. And therefore, we obviously do need a goalkeeper. So I'm open to getting one. The problem is with David Raya is the fact that he he's obviously an Aki's like good mate. Um, we've been linked with him before. For me, it would feel very much like he's coming in to become number one. But he wouldn't become number one, not straight away. They wouldn't replace... It's not like you come in and you just start. Ramsdale will still start the season regardless of what happens in the next few days. He 100% will start the season. And then there'll be this pressure, like, all oh, the first Ramsdale um, mistake, let's get David Rari in. Jimmy. And I don't. I just don't know if we need that as a club right now. It, you know, we want to start the season really well. And if we bring David Rari in with his relationship and like, the, the, the links we've had with him for previous years, it will be long-term to become our number one. And I'm just not sure we need that level of uh, oh, like disruption right now for a keeper that I think is very good in David Rao. But I'm, we're not talking like levels better than Aaron Ramsdale, a keeper that's 25 years old in Ramsdale, who's got a lot of potential for growth in the next f- three, four, five, ten years. Um, David Rao, I think, is 28 in September. So he's not exactly over the hill, but he's got three years on him. So, look, I mean, that's quite a long-winded way to say I'm open to any player being upgraded. I'm opening, uh, open to every single position being levelling up. And if we need a keeper, we need a keeper. Fair enough. It, it, it could just create a bit of unnecessary drama and attention when I would far rather full throttle focus be on maximising points and getting the current crop of players because I don't think we need much in squad um, running at full tilt. What do you reckon? Yeah, um... I don't really have a, in terms of like <clears throat> analysing the goalkeepers, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I think that I think I'd say that although Raya is better with the ball at his feet and more comfortable and more composed, I don't think it's enough of a difference to go and spend forty million pounds on a goalkeeper to replace a guy who in Ramsdale has potential to be the best goalkeeper in the world, in my opinion. Not right now, but the potential is definitely there. And I, we said we spoke about this earlier, and maybe this is part of a bigger debate and maybe another pod in terms of going in on a deep dive on Arteta, really, is that the, the, the worry is that is he able to get the balance right with this edge that he has, this ruthless edge that we've seen? We, you know, we, we, we've, we've lauded him for kicking um, Aubameyang out the door. We've lauded him for kicking Urzu out the door. We've lauded him for like you know ostracizing players, Pepe, Lukonga, you know, and we jump on that because of the early success that Arteta's had, and we go, yeah, Lukonga, like not 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 at it mentally, not at it, Pepe, it not interested, Solka, but we've bought into a little bit of these narratives a little bit because of Arteta's early success, and he's come across very strong in character, so we're like, oh yeah, believe I I just back whatever he does, I'll back. And 95% of the time, I'm kind of in that situation where I am backing him. But in this scenario, it just feels, a str- I said that at the time when it broke, just really interesting slash strange. And you, if you're Ramsdale, 
it just does not sit well. But you, the, the 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 Inaki Kanya point is is a huge one for me here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you're bringing in Anana. It just it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel the same. It, it doesn't. It would feel like someone saying earlier, and it's like you got you got you know you got Mikel and Inaki sitting there in a chat. It feels like you know you know like jobs for the boys, jobs for your mates. You know it would feel a bit like a coup. It would feel a bit like well, oh no, honest, honestly, Aaron, honestly, any, anyone's number one. You you fight for it, boys. You fight for it. And then later on, the the free you know the you might have a few Spaniards going for dinner together. Do you know what I mean? It'd feel a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? It would, and and for me, I just don't know if you need that. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not wedded to Aaron Ramsdale. He has made errors that have left led to goals, and and I'm not I'm not wedded to it. You know, you know how much people love people like someone like Bukayo Saka. I don't care who the player is. If we genuinely believe it's going to improve Arsenal Football Club, I want, I'll, I'll be happy with them being upgraded. But for me, it just feels like a strange force of hand. And do we need it? Who knows? Ever I might come in and just be the best goalkeeper we've had for decades and decades. Yeah. So, um, so, 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 I think let's we'll wait and see. Let's watch and see. I think you're right about the ruthlessness. Does that does that level of intensity over a season? Does it end up players breaking down physically and mentally in run-ins? We've had seen that in the last two years. Who knows? Or is that purely down to the squad depth? It'll be interesting to see Mikel Arteta develop over the next three, four, five years and in his career mm. as a manager because that may be a pattern or it may just be purely down to squad depth. So we'll see. I um, mean, just to add, though, Tom, what I would say is just in terms of the, on this topic, we also have to consider like the Havertz thing, what, are, what is in Arteta's mind. And what I think we can all see is that Arteta sees a goalkeeper there who is elite at long passing, mid-range passing. And I think that is somewhere, that is an area where Ramsdale is very good. But we know with Arteta, if he can see a 1%, 2%, 3% up level, he'll go and do it. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, and then like obviously if we look at our goalkeeping situation now, then we obviously won't talk about the Rose if he's a player. That would be one area we'd want to see improvement from, from Aaron. He's, you know, he can continue. He's great with the ball at the there's been some horrible takes recently. People like Mark Goldbridge, United United fan, is saying, "Oh, he's not a modern keeper. He's not very good with his feet." That's that's bullshit. I mean, like the, the, Aaron Ramsdale's very good with his feet. Yeah, he's very good. His pass percentage accuracy is actually better than David Reyes. I would agree, though. The, the, the long balls need to be better, and he needs to just cut out mental concentration. I mean, there's a couple of errors last year, but there's always going to be errors. I mean, I think Aaron Ramsdale three errors last year directly leading to goals, and I think David Reyes had two. So there's not a world apart difference there. Do you know what I mean? So the goalkeepers will always make errors, but if, if for me in this area of the pitch, I would love to see whether it's Ramsdale, whoever else, just. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, isn't it? But just cut out the errors and, and make sure we are continuing to, yes, deliver on the style that we want to play, playing out from the back, creating the extra man, um, you know, creating the passing. But just, if nothing else, don't be passing to uh, opposition strikers when they're bottom of the league and giving them a goal lead in the title race and we end up drawing 3-3 to Southampton, that kind of error. Mm, yeah, I mean, what, 14 clean sheets last season? Um, I think what we'd be looking from, you know, because this is obviously just a, like a target setting chat. So what we'll be looking for is like you touched on there with the the the, the passing, the kind of the range of passing and and it being consistent over a season. I think we saw a bit of a drop off, um, but that was that was a, that was a structural thing in terms of the whole team, wasn't it? Really, mm. I think I think the things with Ramsdale, what you have to sort of keep an eye on as well with his kicking is that, that a lot of the times, you know, he's trying to punt it to a Jesus, not an Ivan Tony, mm. you know, and, and, and that is not as easy to find your man when 
Jesus, although he puts himself about Jesus, Ivan Tony is a hold-up monster. Um, so, yeah, I think apart from that, I would say maybe at times Ramsdale, and this is maybe a mental side of Ramsdale that we can keep an eye on as he develops, is he's very much a goalie who wants to be under pressure and loves the banter from the crowd. And what, I, what, I've, what we've noticed a little bit is in away games is when he pulls off his best performances. Um, Notably at Anfield last season, Spurs, he was outstanding. In big moments, he pulls off big saves and he loves to be, he loves the crowd behind him in that sort of home. That, yeah, that home the pressure cooker. He loves back. pressure cooker. He loves pressure cooker. But that uh, could be got, an issue at times at home. Yeah. And you've got to remember what, you know, he's, you know, people took the mickey when we signed him saying, oh, he's a keeper that's been relegated twice, um, which obviously is not his fault. He's just in poor sides. They so said they're going to concede goals and they're going to go down. But therefore, because he was always in poor sides, he was used to having hero days, making lots of saves um, up against it versus actually being very clinical. And so I just like, I'd like Aaron Ramsdale, but, you know, bearing in mind, hopefully he is our number one moving start in the season from my perspective, just be clinical, clinical in his actions, clinical in his mindset, clinical in his passing. Don't make sloppy areas and stuff like that. If he is clinical, and we sign a goalkeeper who's just better than him. That is what it is. Yeah. But if he's clinical and cuts out his mistakes, then, then yeah, that's what I want from him. Moving on to the defensive department, we'll start with at right back. Obviously, the new signings, maybe we can just talk a little bit about at the end, Tom. Yeah. Um, and, and what we want really from that position, the positions to continue to give. So, I mean, if we do talk about that right, that right back pod, obviously, we've got Ben White in there primarily um, last season playing 38 games. Um, and you've obviously got, um, you know, potentially during Timber there as well. Now, before we actually talk about individual targets for Ben White, for me, I want to see that right back uh, still operating in that fantastic pod with with Saka and Erdegaard, which obviously was a bedrock of so much of our success last year. And you want to see them probably an area of improvement, which is sort of a soft factor improvement rather than a hard target, is I'd like to see them operate a bit more um, in a in a in a cohesion with the left back spot, and I think we've seen signs of that in preseason. I if the left back's inverting or, or flying forward, making sure that we the right back can tuck in, or vice versa. And we've seen actually when Julian Timber's been operating that role, and then potentially operating a Tierney or something like that. So that would be an evolution of the game. But Ben White as an individual had a fantastic season last year, didn't he? Yeah, I think what we'll be looking for from Ben White this season is opportunities to sit him down. Um, I, I think you, you said there about, you know, 36 starts last season. And there were moments where I think he Three was, six, yeah. you know, he, there was a lot of league games last season where he was being hooked after about an hour. Um, even at halftime, obviously, against United with the Rashford sort of tricky half that he had. But there were a lot of occasions where he was subbed off. And I think he was being nursed, Tom, until the injury to Saliba. Because I yeah. think, and then he was almost playing every minute of every game, um, Ben White, really. And yeah, you, and ironically, he looked okay. It's just weird, but uh, you're right. And so, therefore, what you also want to see is is strength and fitness as well. You want to see him, his fitness and resilience come on, but also, like you said, opportunities to be rested and rotated. And I think we should have that now. That's an interesting stat under Ben White last season. Same assists as Martinelli. That is a very interesting Yeah, one. when we um, get... Obviously, we're not talking about forward line yet, but... A, that's fantastic from Ben White, but also probably a bit lower than you'd expect mm. from Martinelli. So we need yeah, to look at that as well. Something to something to yeah. consider. Um, yeah, I would agree. And I, th- and I think Timber coming in is obviously, you know, played played very well at left back against Barcelona. That's something that I think we might start with. We can we can probably 
when we do a preview maybe of the Forest game, we can talk about that. But yeah, I, I think same again for me for Ben White. He's one of my favourite players. Absolutely love him. And, and, and hopefully he carries on with the housery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we've got to flip onto the other side, Tom Zinchenko, who is a very, very interesting player for me. I always gravitate to this guy in terms of when I'm looking at 11s, structures. He's a 10. He's a 10 playing at left back. Um where do you see yeah, this season? As, as in, again, from the left back, I want the same spot. I sorry, I want the same um, as I want from the right back. I want cohesion. I want the left back to have a greater, whoever nails that spot, because I don't necessarily think it'd be interesting to see what shape we go into. I don't think there's a nailed left back right now for us at Arsenal, because it could be, if we're free at the back, it could be more of like a Kivior in that slot, or, you know, if, it, if, we're, if we're narrowing that, it could be a Gabriel. But obviously, if it's Zinchenko, in, in, you know, if we're going like for like from last year, I would like to see that better supporting his left-hand side. So now, now I know that's easy to say to Dunn because one of his strengths is obviously the inversion. But I do feel the, the Zinchenko that, you know, you know, no one gives you everything. No one, you can't have it all. You can't have a defensively sound, uh, you know, man-marking job left back, but also this left back who inverts and then sometimes you'd be playing right centre mid or even right wing sometimes. That's literally opposite ends of the pitch on the diagonal that you'd find Zinchenko. So I like Zinchenko. I'd like to see him A, more fit and available. He missed a fair few games last year for injury, low, low key. He had about the same amount of starts. I don't know if he can pull that up again. He had about the same amount of starts. Uh, um, as t- you know, you know, and he had something that same similar amount of games, nearly <clears throat> more starts though than than Tierney. But when all, all said and done, which is interesting, Tierney had as many um, uh, games last year as uh, he's had in mo- most years in Arsenal shirt because um, he had injured, you know, injuries the year before. So I'd like to see him more available. I'd like to see him uh, again cut out errors. Um, but what you can't deny is what he does give you by becoming an extra man in midfield, uh, attacking output. I'm surprised. Surprised I didn't see a little bit more from Zinchenko actually, given how much he marauds. Um, but you, you know, he was a big part of why we were so good. I think, as well, I think what I'd say on that point is that he's he's more of a first phase build up player than a Ben White. Ben White was bombing on so many occasions last season, getting beyond Saka byline, being part of that you know that right hand pod. Zinchenko is your sort of guy who, you know, very he, 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 although he drifts and wanders, he is that integral first phase isn't he out um he, he is but i also wonder if that's because because he wondered so much you know you also like we we, we marvel at the patterns of a ben white erdegaard and saka but that's also because they're available and every week playing in the same position and they're not what and ben white's not going walk about and so therefore those patterns aren't they're not coincidence. It's not just luck. It's two things. Yes, it's trained on the training pitch, but it's also real live minutes and working together. And I do wonder that if we saw a bit more of a consistent approach from Zinchenko, now that's not to say he doesn't do his inversion or doesn't do his, but it consistently does so, we may see some of those patterns build up. Now, the other thing to mention clearly is that uh, for all of Xhaka's uh, brilliant revival and stuff that he did for us last year, one of the reasons we've looked to upgrade that from an attacking output perspective anyway, um, uh, you know, is to get more goals and to get more goal for it. Now, perhaps if you've got a left central midfielder, left eight, who has a bit more of an attacking threat, you may start to see a little bit more of a link-up play with Zinchenko. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure we'll see much of a team where you've got Zinchenko in at left-back with Rice and then obviously the front four behind Jesus, who obviously Martinelli, Havertz, 
Odegaard and Saka that's that 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 would be that would be something that would leave you quite open I think what we're looking at from this position this season Tom in terms of the department is to kind of close it off as well a bit more there are yeah, a, lot, I, I... a lot of goal, a lot of goals conceded from that area of the pitch um and, and even just things not even like the big one at Anfield I'm not talking about that because that was that was kind of a bit of an individual error but it was it's that department you know at home to Liverpool with the ball over the top where Gabriel came over yeah, yeah. and missed it. You know, there's there was a lot of goals last season in that area. And I think with Timber, you mentioned a word a minute ago, consistency that you'd like from Zinchenko. I think that I think that's what, what we're going to get from Timber at left back. Yeah, we could potentially do that. I, I, it's, it's funny though, because you say oh, we won't see that team. I think if he's fit, we might see that team a fair bit still. I think that's what Arteta wants to play. And now I don't disagree. They might not be the way we go. Uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see who nails this block. Um, and it could well we could, I, I would not surprise me at all if we get to the end of the season that the, and the left backs had 14 starts from Zinchenko 11 left back starts from Julian Timber three from you know Tommy Asu four from Tierney do you know what I mean it, it could well be a shared spot could easily be a shared spot I think to finish off on this left back area I, I, what, the difference this season is when Zinchenko is not available he, we have a left back in Timber. It looks who looks like he could easily be deployed there and be the inverted left back and build up. And he's very energetic, very athletic. Looks to make the right decisions a lot. Pacey is that last season, it was almost like when Zinchenko was fit, he played, even yeah. if he hadn't, even if he hadn't trained for a couple of weeks. You know, he was coming into games early on in that season. We hadn't trained for like two or three weeks, and he'd just start at home to like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against Spurs or, you know, against City or whatever. And then this season, the the, the trust in Timber will be far more than it was in Tierney. And and I think obviously Timber suits the style better. So he's all, you know, he's going to be able to stay there. And I think Zinchenko might find it tricky. He's not played pre-season. He's not going to play in the community shield, probably not because of this charity game. Yeah. So if Timber starts off like a house on fire. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be very interesting. So, but I think he'll be playing ultimately a very similar role to the ones in Chicago's last year. So, um, I think the pattern of play-wise, I think we could still see that pattern quite, quite often with a with a Rice lone six and the four ahead of him. So, interesting. We haven't uh, got the, um, we haven't got that apple at the moment on that from from last week. It would have been good to sort of put it on the screen. Is the um, is Timber when Timber what uh, even this you even saw this on the comps at Ajax and we've seen it already. When Timber gets the ball, when he passes it, he, he he gives it and goes. Yeah. Let's see, he bombs on. Zinchenko doesn't really do that. He, he builds up from from the back and connects things. Timber, you're going to see a lot more of maybe what White was doing, but on the other side. And that will be something to keep an eye on because I think Timber could easily be someone that likes to get forward and mm. likes to overlap. So, and, yeah. and the thing is, though, would that, will that almost leave us more open? Because at least Zinchenko would, yeah, would stay in that sort of first third, and he'd almost provoke, then provide a sort of a double pivot with Party. Whereas if Timber is is not clearly not he's not a chalk on his on, a, on his boots kind of left back, you're not to Kieran Tierney. But if he's bombing on to provide the extra overlap with his left eight, then actually that might leave us more exposed. Um, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and then that, so, so from that, I guess, I mean, this is what's fascinating, isn't it? About this is that you know we're talking a lot about defence, but to be honest with you. We know that with this system and the way Arteta plays, it's almost the most important area of the pitch. And, yeah. and to be honest, in the Premier League at the moment, it's becoming the most. Look how way Brighton play, you know. So <laughs> I think with with Zinchenko there, what you were saying about um, the risk reward thing with Timber going forward, 
what I would say is in, in possession, although we love Zinchenko and the stats are phenomenal, I think decision-making and that kind of assur- like assurance and being comp- not, not composed, that's not the right word, but in timber, I'm not sure we'll see sloppy giveaways. Now, Zinchenko's pass percentages are like, obviously, that no one can debate them. I'm not saying that. But but he does have a tendency, like away at Villa, um, at home to Southampton, where he will switch off. Um, yeah, and I think you're right in terms of we are talking about the most important area of pitch. I just I just had a quick look at how many goals we conceded in the league last year in total, and it was 43. And the reality is, I don't, you know, that someone will quickly point out that I'm wrong, but I don't think you win a league title if you concede over 40 league goals. Do you know what I mean? No, Man, City, Man City conceded 33. Now, we, we've seen ridiculous defences in the years gone by. Was it Mourinho defence conceded only 15? Arsenal's have conceded only 17 or whatever and didn't even win the league. So I'm not saying they have to be those ridiculous levels. But if it creeps above sort of mid-30s in goals conceded, you're asking a lot to win the league title. Now, I think what we do, and we'll we'll get there in the next 10 minutes, I think we'll we'll come to a lot of positions in these attacking areas, basically Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, where actually when we say, what do we need from them? It's more of the same, please. A bit more, 10% more from all of them in there and all their area facets, and we're flying because, we're, you know, they're, they're phenomenal. Defensively, we need to do things slightly differently. That's the really interesting thing. Going forward, it was great. Let's kind of have more of it. And then at that, can we see change? Yeah, we, we, all, we all look to those performances don't we away at Leeds uh Anfield in the second half um, West Ham away, West Ham away you know. where we couldn't stop the tide and, and I think with the players we've brought in that is obviously designed to do that but yeah I, I think it's fascinating and if you you mentioned the 44 league four, was it 44 yeah 43 so, I think we can 43 so I mean if you think about that seven of those goals were conceded at Anfield West Ham and Southampton in that three Three games yeah. in the space of two, ten days or whatever it was. Yeah, Seven well, and also three. Man City away would have been within three or four days of that yeah, and yeah, another yeah, three yeah. four goals. So, yeah. so and then know, Brian, at, Brighton at home. Brighton at home as well. Well, well I was going to say there, there, was, there was 11 and then you added the Brighton. That's 40 yeah. goals there. Yeah, yeah. So, again, but then that leads us very neatly onto there was another thing that happened in those four games which Someone was a, injured, so, so there was a there was a, a young man missing who was less of a young man I can call him a young man because he's a lot younger than I am but an absolute monster and colossus in William Saliba and like and look it's, it's very easy to sit here and say look if he stayed fit we would have won the title we wouldn't have conceded all those goals and I don't think it's that simple but it's certainly simple enough to say that we'd have conceded less and we'd have had a much better chance because so what do I want from... Let, let's talk about them as a pair. What do I want from Gabriel and Saliba? Uh, first of all, touch wood, I want fitness from the both of them for the whole year. Gabriel was um, ever ever present. And it's really weird. Like, Saliba last year was the first full season for Arsenal. Yeah. And it's going to, this is going to sound immensely arrogant, but kind of he did what I thought he would do because I know he's that good enough. We've seen him be that good. Don't get me wrong. The first two or three games, we realised how good we are. And we're like, oh, this guy's actually disgusting. Yeah, that, he's amazing. That performance at Selhurst Park was just... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you realise. But I was actually more low-key impressed with Gabriel because the Gabriel kicked on to levels that I don't think... I didn't think he had, to be honest with you, in terms of his 
calmness and assuredness on the ball in terms of his uh, his clarity of thought, in terms of his clarity of decision-making. Now, of the two, you still want more from him from that area. He's still not Saliba levels of uh, uh, calmness and on the ball and passing range. He's not. And let's be honest, he probably never will be just because it's a gift that Saliba has. He's up there with, you know, like, you know people comparing to the, you know, the prime, Van Dijk's prime of Ferdinand's, that style. That's not Gabriel's natural style. But the, the, the what he kicked on last year was immense for me to see that and if he can do that again if he can go up that 10 percent again gabriel um next to a sleeve that stays fit yeah that's yeah i thought, I thought uh, i mentioned this i think before i think he went massively under the radar in the uh player of the season talk um yeah. you know right, right you know to be fair odegaard and Saka, obviously what unbelievable seasons they had and the attacking players do tend to get that accolade yeah but... they're gonna get the glamour but yeah gabriel was phenomenal yeah, and gabriel was an absolute monster and those performances i mentioned earlier away at liverpool and away at leeds gabriel and ramsdale have that about them don't they 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 backs against the wall they're the ones that are the fist pumping the chest the chest beating they're the, yeah. they're, they're, the, they're, the they're the they're the leaders in those moments and I know there was, you know, famous pundits, people like Neville's and Keynes that saying, oh, you don't need to see that away to Aston Villa. Is it, are the celebrations over the top? Those people like Zinchenko and Gabriel. But you need a few of them. And I think in the defensive back line, I don't think it's a bad area to have it. That's another thing, like you said, that Ramsdale does have. I don't know if David Rea has that, um, which would be interesting to know and see. Um, but yeah, I just want more more of the same from from the defensive pair. Um, I think it'd probably be, if it would be fair to mention if we're, you know, if we are, doing some targets for people I guess for Gabriel this is this has been something that I think has been a thread throughout his Arsenal career but he he ironed them out a lot more last season but but the thing the the the, the mistake against United in pre-season it's that type of thing yes. that you don't see with Saliba Saliba will make errors that are more concentration in terms of like you know away at Leeds when he had the handball because he misjudged the bounce or whereas Gabriel can, has a clangering in him every now and then so that's something I think you know Arteta as ruthless he's as he's being you know like we're talking about the Ramsdale Raya thing you know Gabriel and Ramsdale for me are the two players in this bunch who not not in my eyes but I think in Arteta's eyes if he could if he could bring someone in and saw someone to up level I think there he would in those two positions yeah and the, the word you've said there which is the reason he thinks that way is the word errors and the fact that he doesn't really, again, because his ruthlessness and stuff like that, he doesn't really stand for any errors. It's a reason why he, well, all of us, clearly, but it's a reason why he loves someone like a Saka because, you know, there'll be games where Saka, you want more from him. You want, you know, that more mercurial uh, physicality. You want more of that directness that someone like a Martinelli gives. But Bakayo Saka and errors, not, not talking aside from penalties, but Bakayo and uh, Saka and errors are not two things that go together in the same sentence because he doesn't make them. It makes the right decisions, and and that's one area. On the penalty spot, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the penalties aside, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, it the, the, it doesn't make them, and that's why he's so loved by Arteta. And you look at the profile of someone like Gabriel; he he came on massively on that. But it will be one of those things that if he made two or three in the first half a dozen games, you know, you could easily see Kibiel come in. You know, that's the kind of ruthlessness and level that the artist is running. Now, now I hope not. I love Gabriel. You love Gabriel. We we big big fans of him in our group chat and and on our, our friendship circle. So yeah, I want I want to continue to see that. One thing I want to continue to see as well is our uh 
uh, is our is our physical discipline. Now, Gabriel in years gone by was known, I think, a little bit unfairly as a bit of a hothead and rash in challenges, and so was Xhaka. I think last year was the very first year we didn't have a single player sent off in our Premier League history. We didn't have a red card in the season. So we want to see that discipline continue mm. as well from, from the likes of Gabriel and Salida. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, and, you know, our, I think Arteta went for a spell in the first couple of years where he kept saying in, in press conferences, didn't he, if we can keep people on the pitch... Yeah. we might stand a chance of actually competing and winning top games. And, and I think, you know, that's that's something that's definitely been worked on behind the scenes. What I would say with Gabriel is every Rio needs a Vidic and Saliba is our Rio. And I think Gabriel in time with development can become the monster alongside the Rolls-Royce. Do you see what I mean by yeah, that? For so, sure. so yeah. you know, you, you know, you're kind of your Diego Godin type defender. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. And, you know, such is the nature of football probably slightly better ball playing than that. So I think, he, you know, he's, he's brilliant. So yeah, I think that's fair. Where, where do we want to go next in terms of across the park? Do we want to go set, uh, like sort of that six role and, and therefore Thomas Partey or do we want to go sort of across the pitch, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think I think we, 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 we it's, it's working going through, I suppose, structurally, isn't it? And then talking about people. So if we start start centrally in midfield, obviously it's the the big thing, isn't it, that we're talking about in, in the group chat and on Twitter. It's the... Is it a double pivot? Is it a six? Let's let's go with that it's going to be a six because the chances are it will be. So yeah, we, we have to, for? and we don't want to do the same pod as we did last week. So so you know <laughs> from what we what do we need from the sixth last? Well, I mean we had everything with with the, with our six till April last season, didn't we? Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm in terms of rhetoric and a, and a twenty thousand foot helicopter view versus the individual pieces. I want quite similar to what I want from from Ramsdale and from the goalkeeper. I want the same again, but throughout the season. Now there was, you know, Thomas Partey when he was fit, and again that first half of the season and stuff like that. That role was perfect, but but the the problem you play when when you play with a single pivot in a single six is is that when if that person's not quite at it or you're playing a team that has a double pivot presses high and then suddenly floods your midfield you know you're actually really it's a vulnerable position is what i mean to say so what we want to see we want to see that individual still be able to play two way back to goal um, on received um, obviously at the ball but also you know front up we want to see them continue to play balls that break the lines now the jury's out and can can Declan Rice do that as well as party does that you know those threaded balls um, we want them to still be defensively sound and resolute um, but we need them to be ever present and consistent as well and I think that does speak to Declan Rice coming in and doing that really well but it's it in Arteta's system, the, the system that existed last year, there's no denying it puts a lot of strain on that role. Mm, mm. I think this is. Um, I know we've spent. I know. I know. Defense sounded fascinating, but this is just um, gripping, really. I think because you watched Partey the other night against Barca, and it was like I'm the man. And when you watch that, it's very hard for everyone, including Arteta, to think do I change this, you know, straight away? And and with Rice, I think hopefully what we might see is someone that develops into that role, but he's not going to be benched. I, I think with with um, with um Rice, I watched, um it was a podcast the other day on YouTube, actually, and it was a really interesting point because we've all been talking about Partey on the, in the half, in on the half turn, in the phone box, through lines, all this sort of stuff. But the the point was, with Rice, you get assurance with passing 
and maybe the lack of adventure in his passing can help with control. Yeah. And, and at times Partey is looking for that Hollywood through ball. And actually, although we can clip them up on comps and see them working, there'll be occasions where it doesn't. And then that feeds on to the whole pressure debate, doesn't it, that we suffered at Anfield, at Leeds. Yeah, so it's an a, interesting one. That's a very good point. And, it, and I think particularly, you know, this is, you know, you're bang on because it's it's 50% actual style of playing 50 it wasn't, it wasn't pers- there it was, the, it was the podcast but i won't mention yeah it. <laughs> uh, and it's also 50 percent st- um uh, individual and personality as well but i i think you know the game that stands out for me in that respect is the west ham one still hurts me so much for two reasons because you know you go to anfield two things first of all it's anfield it's a tough place to go and you just know live they're gonna have a spell liverpool yeah they're a top team and they have the anfield crowd they're gonna have a spell that can hurt you you know, and the fact is they got one back and, they, you know, before half time, they were banging the game. We were so comfortably cruising at 2-0 at West Ham that their own fans were booing them. Some fans were leaving. And it was just the fact that they get back in the game with a goal. I don't even care that Saka Sky's penalty. Everyone now saying, oh, was that the pivotal moment? Yeah, it probably was, but it shouldn't have been. Mm. We should the, 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 we should have just eased that game away, even once they got a goal back, and but we weren't able to. And you just wonder where if, if you had a Declan Rice in the middle of the park on that day, yeah, ironically, given it's West Ham. <laughs> um, if you had a Declan Rice in the middle of the park that he day was, for yeah, Arsenal, he was there. <laughs> yeah, he was there. If you, had, if, if you had him, yeah, exactly. If you, if you had him in Arsenal shirt, do we do we just slow the game down a bit, regain control? play 95%, 98, 99, 99.9% guaranteed assured passing, that physical control, as well as a leadership control. You sometimes wonder Arsenal when we're under the cosh. My God, and maybe it's just a bias because we're, we're fans of Arsenal. I've never seen a team give the ball away so quickly again. It feels like wave after wave in Arsenal when we're under it. And actually, maybe you just need a bit of Declan Rice just to, you know, when he does that sort of run, he doesn't really go anywhere, but he just sort of like holds the ball. And and it's a little, it's just a little sideways to White, you know, sideways to Zinchenko. I think the the West Ham game, the reason it infuriated us, and we don't want to hark on too much, but the reason it infuriated us is complacency. I think even at Anfield, Tom, even with the crowd and the, and the, the attack that they started to build, if you if, if if we knew that in that scenario then at Anfield, after an hour, they're starting to pile it on, you can go, right, Partey Rice, double pivot for 10 minutes. You know, we didn't have the options, did we? We couldn't do anything. And it was like, that was that was how we could, we couldn't respond, whereas now we can. And that's what that's what Arteta mentioned in his press conference after the Man United game. Now we, we can go toe to toe physically. And Partey, when he when he's on and it's working. Again, it's biased, but I don't think there's a better six in world football. Yeah. The what but what you want obviously is consistency. Again, it's consistency of approach. So, you know, and, and mentality. So yeah, so I think that's what we want from our six. Um we you know, we, we it'll be fascinating to see it. We can't again talk about the positions and the shape because it might be a double pivot, but let's be honest, we win Declan Rice is obviously going to start every week. We're not going to spend £105 million on a player and sit him on the bench. Yeah. So he's going to. Arteta is looking to replace him. Yeah, exactly. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be getting Nakanya's uh, uh, next mess mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. in the end, it you know, whoever else yeah. is their, their mate and their cronies. No, in all seriousness, like, we, we, we're, ne- we're never sitting that player. So it's just how do we. How do we how did where does Thomas Partey go? And it's going to be so fascinating. I, be I, so think, fascinating. I think this sixth def- definition is just going to be like because the reason I find it fascinating is because 
I don't, but I, when I say Partey's a phone box, he can play through the lines, he can get out of anything, he can, he's always passing forward, vertical passing. Rice is very much a sitter, controller, always available. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit less brave with his passing, but I don't know though which one of those will work. And yeah, yeah. there'll be times where one works and the other one doesn't. There'll be times where Rice is rolling it out to, like, against Forrest at home. He'll get the ball and he'll roll it out to White. And, and we'll, we'll be going through our TV screens or you in the crowd. Like, look forward, find Odegaard. You know? yeah. And then there'll be other games where Partey's get, getting the ball and we're away at Chelsea or wherever. And he tries to find a, through the lines and gives it away. And we're like, oh, we need Rice to... It's gonna there'll, be, be, there'll, be, there'll be 100% times this year. In the, and, if, and I think early, especially in the first few weeks, when we don't see the, the long-term quality that a leader like Declan Rice gives us, there'll be times in those early weeks when we'll be thinking, oh, have we, have we fluffed 105 million on a player who's a bit negative here? He'll feel a bit negative. Yeah, he'll you know, and it doesn't mean he is, but it will feel a bit negative. Now, for one player to be a bit negative may mean the rest of the team can be more positive than it will. Do you know what I mean? So we we need to see how it works and it impacts the rest mm. of the team. So yeah, um, definitely. Should we do? Should we do talk about like, the dual eights? I'm just conscious, you know, um, like you've got the left eight and right eight because I think Erdegaard's quite an easy one in respect of if he. I, I wouldn't even ask you. I'm going to ask for ten percent more from Sakura Martinelli in a second. Yeah. I wouldn't even ask for 10% more from Odegaard. If he can deliver the same output numbers in terms of goals and assists from your attacking eight on the right side, you are laughing because he got 15 league goals last year. How many eights get that? No, they don't. So if he could just, if you, if you could, if you, if you could sign right now for Martin Odegaard having exactly the same goals and assists, you'd 100% sign for it in the league. And I think it's the only player I'd say that about at Arsenal because I want more from Martin and Saka. I'm maybe being greedy. But I want them to kick on. Whereas Erdegaard, I'd sign for exactly the same. I actually, to be honest with you, if he finishes with twelve league goals, say, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, you can't expect him to get fifteen or more every year. Smart, you know, it's not. Yeah, you need from that yeah, position. yeah, yeah. I would agree with all that. I think um, keep him fit uh, yeah. every now and then, if you can, if you can, sit him down, play Havertz there, because um, obviously he can play as the right eight as well. Yeah. You've got Vieira, Smith Rowe. So when you can, you need to do it. And I think. I mean, this is blimey. This is a pod in itself, and it dual eights, dual tens, two top of the box. Like it's, it's just, it's um, it's headache stuff, isn't it? On Twitter, really, at times. But um, I think with Odegaard, we can move on there. I, I, yeah, I think the, what will just be interesting is to see his defensive responsibilities now that Havertz does it go is, up. Yeah, does it go up? And that so, may well have a big impact on his output. So. Well, yeah. So let's. I guess this is probably a pod that we can crop up for another day and do it as a separate episode. The the left eight. Um, so um, we've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. We've brought in Havertz, who we've had an eye on in pre-season. Um, I think what we're looking at from that position clearly is that, well, I wasn't looking for this, and I don't think you were. But now we now we think that this is what he's going to go with. And I, I think it'll be fascinating to see if he goes with Havertz against City, hmm. um, because that will be quite telling if he does. Um, so... What we're looking for, what Arteta's looking for, is someone that is going to be arriving in the box and scoring goals and combining off the ball runs, being a bit more of a kind of link player with Jesus than Xhaka was. But I wanted someone a little bit more kind of defensively stable as well. But... I wanted Xhaka with five more goals, which is very difficult to get that player because obviously mm. you're talking you're yeah. talking Jude Bellingham. Do you know what I mean? You're talking that level of investment, basically. I think it's going to be a ten, isn't he, Ancelotti said. Well, this is it, Jimmy. But, but but that's someone who's got though that legs. 
you know, basically talking to someone like, you know, like Prime Yaya Torre. That Aaron, kind of Aaron Ramsey, just saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prime Aaron Ramsey. Prime Yaya Torre. I'm not saying Aaron Ramsey is as good as Prime Yaya Torre. But the, the genuine box-to-box who also can get you 10-plus goals. Now, what I'm about to say is quite punchy, but if we're talking about target setting, how many goals did Xhaka get last year for Arsenal in the league? I don't know if you have that on your list. Or, or I will, just I will get it for you. I will get um, it for you. As Xhaka's biggest fan, I should know that. I think I think I'm going to go on the limit. Seven. Seven. I genuinely was going to say I'm going to be punchy. I, I personally think Havertz needs to not just better that. I think he needs to double it. Yeah. Same same assist to Zerdegaard, Xhaka. Yeah, I, I I think I think Havertz needs to double that goal tally. Yeah, which is punchy. I think he needs to get 15 league goals. Otherwise, I don't think the trade off is worth it. Is what I'm about to say. So now, if you have if you have a player who's going two way, if you have Bellingham or if you have Xhaka like last year then you can't expect them to be getting 15 league goals which is why I think it's really just how much Odegaard got but if we are if we if we are saying as a as a group of as a club and as a team as fans if we're saying we're going to sacrifice the other way to have this player who arrives late who's on the back post to his two goals in preseason so far that's been that back post you know good in the air if we if we're saying that's what we the player is going to be then their output needs to be strong because otherwise, I think we will quickly be sitting here saying we need more from that individual. You know, we need we we need more for them. And you know, I've been watching the Ashes as everyone's been watching uh, cricket in the last few weeks. The fantastic end to the the last Test match. Um, but there was just a, a commentary saying about like when you are a um, you know if you're an all rounder, if you're a batsman and a bowler, if one facet of your game is not working, but you're taking wickets, or you, you, it doesn't really matter if you're not getting runs, or vice versa, if you're getting runs but you're not taking wickets, it doesn't matter. If you are an out and out batter or an out-and-out bowler, the moment you're not getting your runs or you're not getting your wickets, you will have the eyes of the world on you and you'll be like, why are you in the team? And it's the, the, if, if we're saying suddenly that uh, that role is all about the output, then the output needs to be bloody strong. So I'm going to be punchy and say, I think Havertz needs to be getting 13, 14 plus league goals. Otherwise, I've, I don't see it. You know, because otherwise, why do we get him? Hmm. I mean... Yeah, it's it's an it's it's an interesting one that we spoke about when uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when we were going through the the, the squad, and um, I think I think it's I think he's the only player in the team uh, who we don't re- that it's it the story's not really written there. We don't really know what's going to happen there. I think within reason, everyone else you can kind of roughly on average say this is what I think their season will look like um with Havertz it's just um it's an unknown and that's why I guess people are excited about it hopefully he becomes a off the ball monster and arrives late headed goals tap-ins um he's very good at finding space in the box there are things there obviously that could this could work and it could bang Um, I've just got my I've got my doubts about defensively in most Premier League games, teams will transition on you and kill you in this league. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, I'm a big fan of the idea, is what I was about to say, not necessarily first. I'm a big fan of the idea of this goal-scoring eight who, who, who arrives late. Because what it does on a good day, it gives you Martinelli, Havertz, Jesus, Erdegaard, Saka. You have a front five there, which will, and there'll be a few days this year, absolutely tear teams apart. Yeah. 
because picking you know who defense you know picking up the runner picking up the the late arrival picking up the are we going to be clipping balls over the top now because we've got an aerial threat you know or are we going to be threading wide are martin Saka going to start inverting and coming far more dynamic towards the goal or can chalk on the boots will be so many options i think there'll be days where we kill them but like you said the, the flip side to that is it brings brings risk between the two of them, then, if, if you're telling me Jacka got seven and, and Erdogan got 15, didn't he? That's 22 league goals from your two eights last year. Yeah. That's a very good return. Yeah. Now, again, if if maybe Erdogan's having to do a bit more defensive work in the system or whatever, but if the two of them aren't combining to, to score at least that, then you'd have to say that the Havertz experiment, for want of a better word, isn't really working if that's the reason we've got them because the because you're sacrificing some defensive resolution, you know, resolve. So it'll be fascinating to see it. I'm I'm always I'm keen I'm keen on the idea. If he pulls it off, he's a genius. And I think when it looks good, I think it will look very very good. It's just whether it's going to be stable enough. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm I'm looking back at a time under Wenger, who you know Arteta played under and captained the side under Wenger and. Arteta would have been inspired by not just Pep, but he would have been inspired by things that he saw under Wenger. And I go back to a spell, Tom, that we often talk about in the late 2000s and early 2010s, where we had this plethora of attacking talent on the pitch. You had Nasri, Arshavin, Fabregas, Rosicki, Kleb, Van Persie. Like, and at times, a lot of them were on the pitch. And you'd and I think we'd sit someone like a song. Yeah. And And what was our problem? We couldn't keep the the back door open shut and yeah, yeah. and i think the the league is when we talk about this front four slash five we've had a, we've had Ertz, and we talk about the days it's going to bang there aren't many games in this league where you can just be that football manager and just be like go out there and just blitz them because mm. teams can do tactics as well you know and, and there's there's a lot of good sides in this league that are well coached and and transition in this league now is just such a big one, which is why we wanted Rice. Everyone wants Casado. You know, we, we've got to try and get the balance right because in moments, in spells, it might look unbelievable. But um, football but, matters but, but you're right. it, it did in those late 2000s as well. Mm. So 2007, 8, 9, 10, it looked unbelievable at times, yeah. the interchange. so And so that was arguably on the eye Wenger's best team to watch, you know, pure watch. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't defensively strong enough. We've already said we conceded 43 league goals, which is probably seven, eight, ten too many, you know, over the mm. course of a season. Yeah, so I, I don't it, think no, you know, no one's. We're not. We're not. Um, we're not debating if this couldn't bang and be, you know, give us a lot of attacking verve and, and output. We're not saying it won't. It's, it's just going to be. It's going to be beautiful at times. It's going to be beautiful. It's just the other side of the game. Aren't yeah, we? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, okay. Should we should we, should, uh, should we start? Should we talk about Jesus and then talk about the wide men? Because often, often, actually, if we're going through the pitch, he'll often probably be playing deeper than the other two. Um, ironically, um, now look, the first thing to say about Jesus is obviously we want him to stay fit. Bless him. Twelve weeks out, wherever he else he had. How many league games did he end up playing last year or starting? Uh, must have been at least ten shy of full quota, um, if not more. 26 to 12 fire shy obviously a full quota 24, 24 starts 24 starts you know um 24 starts out of 38 we obviously want to see more from that if he's going to be our linchpin of the team um and with that will come an expectation that Ian boosts boosts his goal tally so what's that 11 league goals six or uh, 
So 11 league goals in 24, so two thirds of the season. So you're adding roughly four or five there. I'm saying if he if he had the same season as he was having but stayed fit, he'd be on track therefore to get about 15, 16 league goals. Now ideally, he he's never going to be a nine that gets. He's not Haaland, obviously, but you would like to see him edging as close to 20 league goals as possible. Um, that would be that would be the ideal because you think he's a 20 goal a season player. I, I don't think he quite is, but based on based on basically based on goals per ninety, last year would have taken him to fifteen sixteen. Because mm. if he gets to eleven and twenty four games, do you know what I mean? If he's playing, if he's played thirty eight, sorry, twenty four starts. If he plays thirty eight, it's an extra third, isn't it? So you're giving him an extra four or five league goals on top of that. He's probably getting fifteen sixteen based on last year. So now if he can up that again, to sort of, I don't think he's going to quite get twenty, but as close to twenty as possible, maybe eighteen league goals and like that. Um, that would be my target for him around that sort of figure between 15 and 20 league goals. So you've got 18, this is 18, 19, seven league, seven league goals, 19, 20, we had 14, 2021. That was the season Liverpool won the league, funnily enough. Nine league goals, 2021, 21, 22, eight. What I would say though, and then 11. All these city appearances, they're, they're, they're 27 appearances, 30 appearances, but a lot of them be like half an hour here and there. Yeah, Whereas, and wide right as well. Yeah. So for me, as our starting nine last year, he got 11 in 26. So therefore, that's on track to get about 15, 16 if he stays fit the whole season. So for me, I'd like, he's not going to go out and score 25 league goals. We know he's not. But if he can just improve that ratio very slightly and aim for like 18 league goals, that that for me would seems like a sort of a, a, a shout, which I think is achievable, starting as our nine. And if it's not, you start to have in eighteen or above, you start to ask questions whether long term, whether we'll need a nine who gets more, basically. Yeah, I think maybe I think at times I'm guilty of, of sort of I mean, I absolutely love Gabriel Jesus. I love him. He's I I I, I admire everything he, he epitomizes, to be honest. But at times I do get on his back in terms of just goal output because he's a striker. And for me, if you want to win a title against City. With Haaland, I'm not saying Haaland numbers, but you need a striker to be scoring at because because when when Liverpool were going close and Firmino was getting sort of 11, 12, 13, they weren't up against a city that had Haaland, and and they had Aguero, but then they had Mane and Salah that were able to produce and provide. And so I guess what we're looking at is for how good Saka and Martinelli are, and how good their seasons were. We need those guys to be our killers. So, so that's what we need to th- that's what we need to look at is 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 what would be quite interesting to know is in the year Liverpool won the title or those two or three years, is what was the combined goal tallies between uh, um, Mane, Salah and Firmino? Because what I think we are probably looking at is a more of an even split across the three. Now, I don't think, I, I don't think we'll have any individual. Basically, I, mean, I think Jesus will get more than Firmino got. I don't think Saka Martinelli will quite got the numbers that Sarah Mane got, but it would be interesting to know. Um, so, so I think look as a cross between how how many think do you think is a realistic target for the three of them to get? You know, if you if you're talking, you know, you'd want an average, and they won't all get this exactly, will they? But if they if they averaged at sort of seventeen between them, that's sort of fifty plus. Be honest, I think if if, if if Gabby can add another four or five, like you're saying, and Martinelli can maybe add another four or five, I think Saka could stay the same personally because he's involved in everything. We've we've touched on it already, Tom. It's the defensive numbers, isn't it? We scored a we scored eighty eight league goals last year. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. We're not far away. You're you're asking for five goals, five or six goals more from that front three. Doesn't really matter who picks them up is enough. So I I basically think if you if you aim for fifty goals across the front three, I don't think you're going to be far away. Fifty plus because the rest of the team, your Odegaard, Havertz, you know, all these players, they pick up goals. Salah and Mane in the season they won the league just monsters like twenty three league goals Salah, twenty two league goals Mane. You know, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's forty-five, yeah, and then Firmino twelve, mm. so fifty-seven. So it's not miles away from what I was just saying. So as as a front three, I don't think I don't. You know, so what you do is you if 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 Jesus is your Firmino, you want him to be getting a bit more than twelve. You want him to get like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. But then what you can do therefore is drop Salah and Mane's total by two or three each goal each. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because you're you're then giving those goals to Jesus. So I think fifty plus from the three of them would be good. I, I think. I would I would like to see in terms of individual development from Martinelli and Saka, uh, Martinelli just a bit of composure, um, a bit more composure. Uh, the, it's interesting your assist the assist output you said was what how many across the season only six, five five, that feels low for a, a, a front three player in the Arsenal system given how much we share the goals and share the love. You'd expect that to be a little higher. So I'd I'd like to see obviously potentially creating a few more chances um, yeah, for others. Really- he really struggled, didn't he, without Jesus? Yeah, yeah, he, he was um, one of them. You know, um, and 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 Saka, I think we'll just see the natural evolution yeah, of Saka. I was, I I was about to say, I think, I, I think what what you'll see with Saka is, which is what we're so impressed by, is that you will see a consistent level of numbers and output from Saka week season season out. I think Martinelli, there's he's the he's more of like the disruptor, isn't he? He's the he's the chaotic disruptor on the left. And Saka's just a machine consistency, Mr. Consistency on the right. I think what we're looking from from Martinelli is a bit of composure, like you said. Um, and I guess it's hard, it's a hard one with Martinelli to analyse, really, because when you watch him, he kind of he gives everything, doesn't he? And yeah. he gives right backs a torrid time. Um, and it's just trying to find that extra five, ten percent from him, but it's hard to see where it, this, what it is at times. It feels like nitpicking because, frankly, what do I want from either of them? I just want them to continue to be the players they are because they're 21 and 22 years old, respectively. And they just need to, if they develop, if they just, if they make marginal gains across their overall performances, we'll, we'll have two of the best on 24, 25 year old wingers in world football. And we, what we already do. Um, what you can't really teach, but I guess my one learning point for Martinelli is just the decision making. Again, we said it earlier that Saka doesn't really make mistakes. He plays the right ball. He holds up so well. He's so strong. He doesn't doesn't really lose the ball, you know. And so I think again about that transition and what you know. If we are playing with this forward attacking system and Havertz is playing instead of Xhaka, every single player needs to be responsible for not being transitioned on so quickly. And what does that mean? That means making less, you know, making sure you find your man, not giving the ball away so cheaply, particularly when we are, you know, predominantly in the final third of the pitch, you've committed a lot of men forward. So every single player to a man needs to take responsibility for their decision making and make sure that we don't make errors in that side of the pitch. I mean, and with the final balls, etc. I mean, like you do think about the Anfield chance when the last minute we are flooding forward. If Martinelli puts the ball through there properly we could win that game still so again you know these are very fine margins but it's what you're talking about um and for Saka I would like to see Saka and I I think it is coming but I'd like him to become more arrogant and more hungry and you saw a glimpse of it with the England hat-trick for example and and in pre-seasons he looked incredibly sharp Saka in pre-season 
I want to see him be a bit more selfish and want to be uh, want to be the guy to become more of a Salah um, in, in that respect. I'd also like to probably see him come off pens. <laughs> um, there's two, there's two in a row, albeit, albeit one is clearly in a friendly, and a friendly is a friendly. Um, the reason I'd like to see him come off pens is not because I, f- I think there's someone else who's really should be our penalty taker. I don't, I don't want it to become a thing for him. He's good enough as it is. Like you said, everything goes through him. He, you know, he's arguably our best player. Like, if he misses another one or ever. You know, I don't, I just don't know if he needs that pressure. If he's, if he's not good at pens, it's fine. Just, just don't give it. Just give it to someone else. Lots of fantastic players down the years haven't been great at penalties. Just give it to someone else. I think we have a. I think we have an issue of defending penalties as well, don't we? Yeah. Um, I think with Saka, I think it's a case of um, whenever I try to point out maybe things like he could improve his technique with his right sh- with his right foot more consistently the way he takes easier chances at times, like the one against Barca the other day where he's got to put that in. Jesus puts yeah. it across, he's just got to tap it in. But I go back to the fact where I, I go on to his transfer marked and I look at his age yeah. and, and, and I just sort of think, actually, Andrew, like just just hold it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I think it's just we've got two of the best wingers in the world who are so young, have got so much more to offer, and um, I hopefully they continue to just keep growing. And I don't really want to put numbers on them. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, that's why I'm more I'm more interested in that number across the front three. Like if those as a unit, because then and also this will happen where a few weeks one of you is just not quite in form, or whatever. As a unit, if they get fifty goals plus, we're going to be there or thereabouts because that's what they were they, we didn't quite do last year as a unit take that on as a target I'd, I'd love to see us working as that and, and working as a team as a unit in that, that respect like you said like you can find pick with these two players but they are two of the most exciting players in the world football so really we actually just want them to continue to develop and improve mm. um, who, who for you would would or should or could have the penalty nod if it, if it say you know Mr. I'm not, I by the way I think he will retain them until he misses one more so if he misses, not, okay so you're saying let's say if he misses one against City in the Community Shield uh, yeah, I, I mean, I personally would take him off now because, like I said, I, I, not because I think he's only actually missed one penalty for Arsenal in a competitive match. Yeah, but if you've missed two in a row, high and wide and handsome, why burden your best player with that? He's only twenty-one years old. Just give it to someone else. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. Just give it to someone else. But I think I said this to you the other day. I, I, I don't think we've got naturally um, potentially it's Havertz now. He's there because George. I mean, Georgina is the obvious answer, but Georgina probably won't be on the pitch. Yeah. So who else then? I mean, Martinelli maybe, but he missed that one against Sporting. I don't I think, think Jesus think was ever got, good at him. I think we're in, I think we're in a sort of I think we're in a Man City position where it just it could you could start to see it get swapped around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know I'm I don't know if you haven't got a specialist then maybe that's not a bad idea to be honest with you. I think yeah, I think Hubert's record is meant to be very good, so maybe give him to him for a bit, you know. Yeah. It's, if he's if he's reaching my goal telling mate, that I said earlier in the pod, he needs to get all the help he can get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think 30, 30, 30 league goals. I think what yeah. um, what I what I sort of wanted to touch on as we near us near the end is what are we looking for what are we looking for from our bench, Tom? Because I think there was a lot of occasions last season where we looked there and we didn't really know what to do. So we ended up being quite predictable with substitutions. Um, I'm looking for two more players to emerge personally <clears throat> that are genuine first team rotation, that we are comfortable that they will be 
as good or just a, a hair's breadth short of quality of the first 11. Like your Trossard. I, yeah, well, last year we basically had Trossard and that was kind of it. To a slight lesser extent, we had Tommy Asu and Tierney, but even then you didn't really want them playing. Yeah, not really. They're like finishers, aren't they? Yeah, whereas now I'm hoping we have Trossard, who's, by the way, also looking fantastic in preseason, f- phenomenal four or five months in the Arsenal shirt last year. Trossard, Julian uh, Timber or, or Zinchenko, whoever's not playing, you've got another one there that you're obviously very happy can play. I mean, it's ludicrous to what I'm just about to say, but Thomas Partey, if he's not starting, <laughs> is obviously in that bracket where the guy's an absolute Rolls Royce and baller. So already you've got three. Here we if all. you could have... Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, if you can have one more emerge like a Kirior, you've suddenly got four players who you were genuinely happy with being in the first level, and you don't even think, oh, that looks doesn't look feel great. Now, everyone's like, oh, Reese Nelson finished great or whatever. But the reality is, if we genuinely trusted the, the, the Balogun, Eddie and Ketia, the reality is, Saka's just played 38 league games three years in a row. Yeah, if if these players could genuinely replace these players, they would have done. And so, I, I you know, we always, we always talk about the City squad not actually being hugely deep, but being about 16, 17 players, so five substitutes who are essentially the exact same quality as the first 11. Mm. So I just want a couple more to emerge. If we're going to have four, we're cooking. Yeah, I think maybe we, when we when we spoke about Saka, the target is to to feign injury every now and then. Yeah, well, he's going yeah, to like, get kicked to pieces. I, I think this is an interesting debate, actually, with the subs, because I think it's something that Arteta... Arteta He's grappling with, and I think it's a develop point, a development point for him as a manager. And you've got you've got players there that we touched on who are more finishers. Jorginho, I would put into that bracket as well. Tommy Asu, Tierney, yeah. you know these players that are probably going to see out games more. And then you've got your Trossard, who I think is, is your kind of like your first pick. And then we've got a bit of a batch of development points with Vieira, Smith Rowe, Nelson. These players that are at an age where they need to be playing and they need to be pushing, but it's yet to be seen if they're going to be able but are, to. Are they good enough? Yeah, no, you're completely right. Jury's out, sort of question mark, because you've got people who, who would do a job. I think we could easily see if, he, if we would keep him. Like, KT can come on and do half an hour specific job to target a right back who's been booked and to harass him or to shore things up. You know, whatever the job is, he can come on and do it. And I think Tommy Ass is similar in a different stylistically. He can come on and do a man marking job for 90 minutes, but he'll come on to do a specific job. And then we have genuine baller substitutions who can interchange in different roles, like a Trossard or a, a Julian Timber, potentially, or a Zinchenko, depending on who's not playing, or clearly like a Thomas Partey. Um, then we, yeah, the, the development area of the squad is going to be a very interesting one, which invariably you have to leave to sales, some sales in January or, or next season. Yeah, yeah, I think it's um, the the way we the way we use our subs is definitely something to 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 keep an eye on. As I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, I think. There were a lot of occasions last year where you almost knew what we were going to do, and it's becoming a little bit too predictable. Not just for uh, not just for us, but also for the opposition. You know, because if you can if you can unsettle things a little bit from the bench, then you're also making teams adapt and have to change. And with that, with, with that, will have to come though a recognition of who we're keeping in that first team squad to 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 to, to, to get. It's, it's basically too big at the moment, I think, for that. Um, that, that consistency, like you said, you know, if they have that adaptability and and to be able to throw people in the deep end and, and interchange roles, you sometimes have to have a smaller number than we've got in the squad at the moment because you then need to know what they're each going to do. You know, I think Trossard, like you said, his first choice rotation in both left left wide forward, but also left eight and probably also nine as well. 
Yeah. yeah. So he's got those three roles and he knows that's where he plays. But people like, and we've said it before, and we were, you know, it's been a long pod, so we're going to call it. But people like Smith Rowe and Vieira, I don't even, I don't, I can't tell you what their role is at Arsenal. And I think for them and for, and for Arteta, that causes a problem because you've got talented players. And I think they're both in that group, very talented players for different reasons. Similar age bracket, 23, 24 years old, both of them. And can you throw them on or replace someone when you don't, when you, they probably don't even know their own best position. Yeah. And then I think that's, that's a, that's a worrying thing for the, for them as individuals, but us as a squad, I'd probably rather, you, you've got three or four in there. You've got Smith Rowe, Vieira, um, Nelson, like we said, is in that bracket of this young development, you know, whereas if they don't know their own best position, how are we going to know it? Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. I think these are players. I'm not sure. I think I think Nelson, I think there's a clear kind of instruction you can see that he's been given to come on, play out wide, get at the fullback, get crosses yeah. in, run. Whereas with, with Vieira and Smith-Rowe, and we, we, we had a chat about this sort of on WhatsApp the other day about this, is that you've got two players there. You you feel like you're just chucking them on. Yeah. And, and that doesn't really feel right you know you've got I don't know what games they're actually coming on with a purpose and what a role they have yeah and I, I think you know talent levels and who do I like more I like Fabio Vera and Smith Rowe more than I like Kieran Tierney just in terms of as a profile as a footballer as a fan to watch I think they've got more talent I love them but I don't know what game state would call for Emil Smith Rowe this year you know because if we're chasing a game late on and we need to get wide like you said we'll bring on a Nelson or if we need to be to, to put a target man in the bottom box, we'll br- if we need an extra man to goal hang, basically, we'll bring on like Eddie and Ketia. Or if we're flinging in balls, we'll make sure we'll probably put Havertz up at nine. Yeah. Or if, if, if like I said, if they've got a right back who needs to be got at, we'll bring on the width of Kieran Tierney. Or if they've got a pacey right winger and we need a proper defensive resolution left back job, we'll bring on Kieran Tierney, that kind of thing. If we've got a long vertical diagonal balls, targeting one of their wingers we'll probably have Tommy Asu from the start because he's got the height and he's got the he's got the physical presence what game state calls for Emil Smith-Rowe when we're chasing the game probably not when we're behind when we are well on top maybe popping the ball about but and that's not me being negative about him I, I love him but what game state calls for him or Vieira and that's 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 the slight worry about those two players it'll be interesting to see how they develop in there I, I just can't see what minis they're going to get this year but we'll see I think when I think for Vieira, I think you're bringing Vieira on when it's starting to get a little bit rough and physical, you know? <laughs> yeah, just put, to put it about a bit, let, let the opposition know you're there. That was a cheap shot because it was a very good goal against Barcelona, to be fair. Very, very good finish. He's an elite ball striker. But I'm saying these profiles of these players, I don't, I genuinely don't dislike either of them. I really, I think they're ballers to most of you. Yeah, but it's just kind of like in our current system, we know the direction of travel in terms of the press, in terms of the energy, you need the physicality, all of these things, these attributes. I'm just not certain on the game states we see them thrive in. Yeah. But I hope I'm wrong. And I think there might there might be a position for there for them. If if Erdegaard suddenly does his knee or whatever and he's out for six months, mm-hmm. you Fabio Vieira might come become the guy. So let's not let's not rule it out. I just currently can't see at the moment what consistent and proper minutes they're going to get. Yeah, it's, ultimately, it's it's, see, it's seeing a pathway, isn't it, for these people, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's not a, an individual slant. It's just a, you know... We're yeah, we're, just... um, we're ready for bed, I think, aren't we? So I think what we'll do is... This is just off the fly, Tom. What we'll do is we'll do a post-match breakdown of the Community Shield, and then we'll make, maybe talk a little bit about 
that week till the season starts of work, what we want in terms of outgoings and things like that. And I think what we'll do is do our final predicted mm. starting 11s for Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, see how, wrong, see how wrong we are. Maybe we can talk a little bit about at some point our competitors and kind of where we see them at the start of the season. That might be quite interesting to do. We don't have any minute. We need to with 10 points. Yeah, that's true. Who's who's gonna who's gonna be uh, finishing below us this season? Um but yeah, no, I think uh, next time we'll be back will be to kind of respond to the trophy, first trophy of the season. Um so yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That's always Arsenal with myself and Tom. Thanks, Tom, as always. Um and we will catch you next time. Always Arsenal. Osaka. Yeah!